Welcome, everyone. It's good having everyone here, including our visitors, as well as our regular attenders. Um, is this too bright? You want me to pull that down? Okay. Thank God for the sunshine. Okay. There we go. Uh, just as we begin, we have, it's a new month, and we have a new passage of Scripture to meditate on together. And this is Revelation 1, the second half of the chapter. If you have a bulletin, it's right there in the, the front page when you open up your bulletin. <clears throat> so what we're going to be doing is going through the first three chapters of Revelation this year, um, which includes John's vision uh, when the Lord Jesus appeared to him and told him what to write to the churches. This is the second half of chapter 1 that we have for this month. And this is where John actually turns to, to hear the voice speaking to him, and he sees the Lord Jesus in this vision. So if you'd like to read along with me, I'm going to start reading in Revelation chapter 1, verse 9, going down through verse 20. I, John, your brother and partner in the tribulation and the kingdom and the patient endurance that are in Jesus, was on the island called Patmos on account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet saying, Write what you see in a book and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus and to Smyrna, and to Pergamum, and to Thyatira, and to Sardis, and to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me, and on turning I saw seven golden lampstands, and in the midst of the lampstands one like a son of man, clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest. The hairs of his head were white, like white wool, like snow, his eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze refined in a furnace. And his voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars. And from his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword. And his face was like the sun shining in full strength. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last and the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and Hades. Write, therefore, the things that you have seen, those that are and those that are to take place after this. As for the mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand, and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. May God bless our meditating on his word this month. And by the way, a lot of the themes right there that he mentions in chapter 1 are found in Daniel chapter 7. In Daniel's vision in Daniel 7, you can, you can go back and uh, read that and it might help you 
understand that this is a picture of Christ as the judge. So may God help us as we meditate on his word together in the month of February. Okay, so now we're going to go to the book of Colossians where we're going through the book of Colossians together. And today we're going to be in verses 16 down to the end of the chapter, but I don't think I'm going to make it all the way to the end of the chapter today. Um, but I, to, to, this is, if you're using the Black Pew Bible, this is page 1169. 1169. This is Colossians chapter 2. This morning I'd like to begin reading at verse 8. And I'll read down through the end of the chapter. Colossians chapter 2, beginning at verse 8. Just a word of prayer before, before I read that. Heavenly Father, thank you for the Bible. Thank you for inspiring it by your Spirit to, to holy men who wrote it long ago. But Lord, because you inspired it, it is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword even in our lives today. And it pierces all the way down to discern the thoughts of our hearts, the intents and the thoughts of our hearts. So Lord, I just ask that you'll bless our time in your word today, and I just ask that you'll help me as I try to preach and help all of us as we try to listen to hear what you are saying through your word into our lives. And Lord, help us to have hearts that are <clears throat> soft and pliable before you and moldable so that we will respond to your word in a way that would be pleasing to you. I ask this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. So I'm going to start at verse 8. Colossians chapter 2, starting at verse 8 to the end of the chapter. You can follow along with me. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in Him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by the putting off of the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all of our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and the authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. <clears throat> Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. 
These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism and worship of angels, going on in detail about visions puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind and not holding fast to the head, from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God. If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to things that all perish as they are used, according to human precepts and teachings. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. <clears throat> the word of the Lord. Okay, so we're, today we're going to focus on 16 through 19. And really, this is, he's giving, in this chapter, he gives three commands. The first one comes way back in chapter, in verse 8. See to it that nobody takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit. Then the second one comes in 16. Let no one pass judgment on you in, these, in regard to these questions. Verse 18 is the third one. Let no one disqualify you, insisting on these things. So this morning, we're going to take up commandment 2 and 3 in this passage. You know, the devil is sneaky. There is a real devil. And it's not like you see the kids dress up at Halloween or somebody's got a picture in the yard, you know, of a little horns and a pitchfork. There's a real devil who is the ruler of all the evil spirits in the universe, and he is under the thumb of Jesus Christ. He doesn't, he doesn't move a muscle unless Jesus allows him to. And Jesus has given him a leash, and he has free reign for this time, for this time, but the time is soon to end when he will be put down and destroyed forever. But he's sneaky. He often does not come at us with a frontal assault on our faith. If you remember Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, this is Genesis chapter 3, the devil was sneaky. He didn't just come up to Eve in the form of that serpent and say, you know, God's a liar. Why do you believe in God? No, what did, what did he do? He came up and he th threw that snake and apparently animals could talk. Maybe in the new world, in the new heavens and the new earth, animals are going to talk again. We had Balaam's donkey talk. We had the devil come through the form of a serpent talking in Genesis 3. But he said, the, the, the devil comes to Eve and he says, has God really said you can't eat from any of these trees in the garden? Of course, God didn't say that at all, did he? But, but notice how the devil frames the question. Has God really put this on you? You can't eat from any of these trees? And Eve's response was, well, no, no, we, we, we can eat from the trees in the garden. It's just this one tree we can't eat of. I can't touch it, even touch it, or we'll die. Of course, God didn't say you couldn't touch it, but the point was don't eat it. Don't disobey God. And the devil says, you know, 
God knows that as soon as you eat that, the fruit of that tree, you're going to have your eyes opened and you will, you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. Right now, see, you don't even know what evil is. Don't you wish you knew? Is it kind of the way, where he's going with it? But the devil was, is sneaky in his approach and his attack to Adam and Eve. And you, you know the rest of the story. If not, you can go back this afternoon and read it in chapter 3 of Genesis. But I, I say that point to illustrate the devil is often sneaky. And even today, he doesn't often attack with an all-out attack like, I mean, sometimes he does. I can't believe some of the bold ways he's attacking us today. But often he's sneaky. And I think that's what's going on in the book of Colossians. It's not a, f these false teachers that were in Colossae back in Paul's day were not coming out and say, oh, Jesus is a bunch of hogwash. That's not what they were saying. They were saying, you know what you really need is you really need to do these things. And you need to experience these things to really be fulfilled. So, the main point over this message is don't let anyone judge you about practices that promise fulfillment outside of Christ. Don't let anyone judge you about practices that promise fulfillment outside of Christ. If you happen to be a kid and you've got the children's bulletin, I real, by the way, thanks to the McGarry family for the, for the children's bulletin. This is great. I really like the way uh, Jennifer put it, Jesus over the shadow. I just put Jesus over the shadows because this talking about all these Old Testament rituals which were shadows of the thing to come. Jesus is supreme over the shadows. All these regulations or these religious practices that people would advocate that you do. If you have Jesus, you don't need the shadows, okay? That's an important thing. So don't let anyone judge you in regard to practices that promise fulfillment outside of Christ. Look at verse 16. So let no one, therefore, based on all that Jesus has done for us, and he just got done giving the gospel in these earlier verses, all the, all the, sins that we have done, the transgressions that we have done, if we belong to Jesus, he has taken them out of the way, nailing them to the cross, the, the uh, record of our debt, our sin debt that stood against us. So therefore, verse 16, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. Now these are all Jewish terms, food and drink, the Jews had a lot of laws about clean food and unclean food and what you could eat and what you could not eat if you wanted to be ceremonially clean before God so that you could enter the temple and enjoy worshiping in God's presence. So what the apostle is saying here to the Colossians is don't let anybody pass judgment on you in rules and regulations about food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon. Or a Sabbath. These were all Jewish observances. God commanded his people many years ago to follow these, these feast days, these festival days. And on certain new moons, there were certain uh, observances to be had. And then there were Sabbaths. Not just the weekly Sabbath, but there were Sabbaths of the sabbatical year. 
to let the land rest, you know, all these rules and regulations. And Paul's saying, don't let anyone pass judgment on you regarding those things. Why? He says it in the next verse. This is why. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. In other words, all these things, all these old Jewish laws, can't eat crayfish, can't eat lobster. You know, and all I can say is hallelujah. That we're not under that anymore. But all these things about purity laws, they were pointing to the one who would be pure par excellence. They were pointing to the one who would forever be clean and would usher us in with him into the very presence of God on his cleanness, not on our own. All these, law, all these feast days, when we went through Leviticus, I was trying to show you all those feast days were pointing to Jesus. The Day of Atonement, for crying out loud, I mean, all of them do, but the Day of Atonement was the, the highest day on the Jewish calendar. It still is today, the Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. That was pointing to Jesus Christ. Not only does he atone for our sins, wipe our slate clean when we come to him, but he is like the scapegoat. He removes our sins as far as the east is from the west. They don't stand against us anymore. God sees us as if we belong to Jesus, he sees us as good, pleasing, righteous, holy. That's why he calls us holy ones, saints. So all these old Jewish laws, they, they, were, they had a time and a place, but they were shadows that were pointing to the main thing, and the main thing is Jesus Christ. So now that we have Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ has come Jesus Christ has died. Jesus Christ is going to come again. But now that we have Jesus, we don't go back to the shadows. That's what Paul is saying. Don't let anybody pass judgment on you. And I think when he's saying that, I think what, he, I think what he's trying to say is don't let anybody make you think like, oh, I'm missing out. I should probably keep the Jewish Sabbath rules. I should probably... You know, it's not good to eat pork anyway. I think, I think I'm going to keep the Jewish dietary laws. What Paul is saying is, don't go back to the shadows. These were all things that were pointing forward to Christ. Now, if you don't want to eat pork, that's up to you. But don't do it as a means of earning special grace with God or special blessings from God. If you want to keep the Jewish feast days... Go for it, but don't do it as though you need that to experience God's special blessing if you have Christ. Now, if you don't have Christ, the feast days aren't going to help you. All of those things in the Old Testament, all of it was pointing forward to Jesus Christ. Okay? So Paul is saying, let no one pass judgment on you. And then he goes on in verse 18, let no one disqualify you. Now, that's an interesting phrase. It's... it's uh, It's related to the same uh, past judgment back in 16, but it's like, an, it's like an umpire in an athletic competition, somebody who could disqualify you because you didn't follow the rules, and then you wouldn't be able to win the prize even if you finished first because you're disqualified. And what Paul's saying is, don't let anyone disqualify you by insisting on these things. Now, when he says disqualify, what does that mean for Christians in Colossae? I think what he means is, if you... If you 
started following Jesus, but then you start believing what these teachers are saying, and you say, you know what? I'm, go I'm going to start doing the Jewish commandments again, and I want a special blessing from God in these ways, and I'm going to start praying to angels, which he mentions here in a minute. Well, I think what Paul's saying is you could be disqualified as being a Christian. Don't leave Jesus for something else that is just a shadow of the thing to come, which was, which was Christ. So he says, don't let anybody disqualify, verse 18, by insisting on asceticism. What is asceticism? That's like uh, severe treatment to the body, like fasting. Or uh, a lot of the monks did, were ascetics. They, they, would, uh, they would go for days without food, or they'd sleep on a in a cave. You know, they'd live in a cave. Uh, severely treating the body to try to get the soul uh, in tune with God. Now, let me just say this. I'll qu quickly say that somebody could hear my sermon today and say, well, Pastor Drew's advocating pepperoni, comfortable Christianity. <clears throat> I'm not saying there's not a place to fast. I'm not saying there's not a place. In fact, there's a huge place to be severe on our body. There's a huge place for it, but not outside of Christ, only in Christ. It's, it's not as though these things are going to give us this special experience with God. Whenever you put something in addition to Christ as essential, notice he says in verse 18, don't let anybody disqualify you insisting on asceticism and so on. That, that means it's necessary. Okay, you got Jesus, good, but you also need to have this too. And when they insist on, when anybody insists that something is essential on the same level as Jesus, that denigrates the Lord Jesus because he is sufficient and he is supreme and he is satisfying. Don't ever, don't ever think that this is on the, any, whatever it is, is on the same level as the Lord Jesus. I need to fast. Uh, that's just as important as Believing in Jesus. No, it's not. And then he says, by insisting on asceticism and worship of angels and going on in detail about visions puffed up without reason by his sensuous minds. I mentioned this last week. I think it was last week. But there is a... This isn't just ancient history. Even today, there is this... There's kind of a movement toward angels. People saying, you know, uh, pray to your guardian angel. And I, you know, that, that, that brings up the question that was asked in the ch children's bulletin. I do believe the Bible teaches such that we probably do have guardian, a guardian angel, or at least one, if not more. Because the Bible says he sends his angels forth to, to help those who are going to inherit salvation. But... Never in the Bible do we ever see where angels should be worshipped or prayed to. They are at the beck and call of Jesus Christ who is on the throne of heaven. They have their ear tuned to Jesus. And if you started praying to them, if it was a good angel, he'd say, don't do that. Pray to Jesus. Prayer is an act of worship. I am just a servant with you. I'm trying to help you. Don't pray to angels. Don't worship angels. 
These people in Colossae were insisting on this, this kind of a severe, harsh life and worshiping of angels. I, I don't know. Again, Satan is subtle. It was probably real subtle, like, you know, just uh, sit in a certain posture and think about your guardian angel and maybe burn some incense or whatever. There's all kinds of crazy things that go on in, su- in subtle ways to take our attention off of Christ. I want to read a quote from uh, this commentary I, I use. This is um, from G.K. Beale in his comments about this. Furthermore, the philosophy of Colossians 2.8 is said to be not based on Christ. And similarly, the false teaching of verse 19 is said to be not holding fast to the head, which is Christ. You can see this in verse 19, uh, the last part of verse 18, puffed up without reason by a sensuous mind and not holding fast to the head. That's talking about Jesus Christ. And so what Beale goes on to say, this means that the errant philosophy is focused, even if subtly so, on an object of worship other than Christ, which is idolatry. Shouldn't pray to anybody but Jesus. I mean, God the Father, God the Son, or God the Holy Spirit. Don't pray to the saints. Don't pray to angels. Prayer is an act of worship. Okay? So in Colossae, there was these people teaching that, oh, you need, to, you need to worship angels and perhaps get them on your side to protect you from the evil eye or something. Uh, and then they were going on in detail about the visions they had seen, puffed up without reason by their sensuous mind and not holding fast to Jesus, from whom the whole body nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments growth, grows with a growth that is from God. It's easy to lead people astray by telling them they need certain practices in addition to believing in Jesus Christ. Oh, you're good. Oh, yeah, Jesus, yeah, keep your Jesus, that's good. But in addition to that, you should do these practices of asceticism, praying to angels. Paul in his letter to the Galatian church, struggles with very much the same thing. I just want to turn over to Galatians, and then we're going to wrap this up. But Galatians chapter 4, it's before Colossians, if you want to go back with and see it for yourself, or you can just listen. Galatians chapter 4, Verse, starting at verse 8, I'm just going to read a few verses, verses 8 through 11. It's, if you're using the Pew Bible, it's page 1156. Galatians chapter 4, starting at verse 8. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were enslaved by those that by nature are not gods. But now that you've come to know God, or rather to be known by God, How can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world whose slaves you want to be once more? You observe days and months and seasons and years. I am afraid that I may have labored over you in vain. Man, those are strong words. What Paul's saying is, I'm afraid you might not be a Christian. 
You're going back to these Jewish days observances. He keeps using this phrase. Now we'll go back to our text today. He keeps using this phrase. The elemental spirits of this world. He used the same exact, it's the same exact uh, Greek word in Galatians 4 as he's using here in Colossians chapter 2. The elemental spirits or the elemental principles of this world. Now next week we'll get into that in a little more detail, but it includes things like going, going back to these external dietary laws, keeping... Uh, special holidays. So in conclusion, in conclusion, I'm just going to try to wrap this up and next week, God willing, we'll try to dig into that last paragraph. But just in conclusion, what in the world does this have to do with us today? Paul argues here that believers are not to be swayed by religious practices or perspectives that are not centered on Christ alone for fulfillment. There are voices out there today that, are trying to de- that will try to derail you. The devil is active, by the way. The devil doesn't just come out at Halloween. The Bible says he's always prowling around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. And he's, there's ideas out there on social media or on TV or on the radio. Tons of ideas are conveyed through music. Worldviews are conveyed through music. Don't just blindly numb your mind out and just listen to music with no whatever. It will shape you. Lies will shape you if you are not careful. There are tons of ways the devil attacks. One thing, and it sounds kind of odd, but there is a movement today, even in our modern day, for people to return to keeping Jewish feast days and holidays. I would warn you, beware of thinking that you need to obey days and weeks in order to experience God's fullest blessing. Jesus is the perfect fulfillment of the Torah. And his perfect sacrifice for us cleanses us from all sin so that we can draw near to God through him our great high priest, and he is our end-time temple. We don't come to, this is not the temple, Jesus is our temple. We can come to God anywhere, in a prison cell, in Antarctica, if we come to him through Jesus Christ. There's one mediator between God and man, that man, Christ Jesus, and he is our temple, as it were, Beware of perspectives that advocate calling on angels to help you and praying to angels to protect you and guard you. As I said, yes, I do believe in angels. I believe in guardian angels. I believe the Bible teaches such. But I don't believe we're supposed to be praying to them. Certainly not in any way that would... um, Any kind of worship or reverence to angels would denigrate from Christ Beware of those who stand strongly on dreams or visions they've had rather than standing on God's word. Now, now, does God convey truth to people through dreams and visions? I believe he does. 
But the word of God is what he's given us to test everything. Don't believe every spirit. Test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Every spirit that confesses Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, that's a spirit from God. Every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist. 1 John chapter 4. So, do dreams and, does God work through dreams and visions? I believe he can. But if you have a dream or a vision... You can relate that. But like Jeremiah says, he who has a dream, let him tell his dream. But let him who has my word speak my word. Because what does wheat have in common with chaff? Chaff being my dream and this being the wheat. Okay? You know, a lot of, you won't hear this on the evening news, but apparently... Many, many Muslims in the Middle East are coming to Christ through dreams about Jesus, about Isa. Praise the Lord they are. Praise the Lord that God uses dreams like that. But any dream must be tested through the Word of God. If it doesn't line up with this, the truth of this about Jesus, then throw it out. And Paul was saying these people were going on and on in detail about their dreams. I would just say... These are the things he mentions here in Colossae. What about our day-to-day? Beware of any philosophy or thought stream that would even subtly take your attention off Jesus Christ as sufficient and supreme and satisfying. Beware. And don't let anybody pass judgment on you because you're missing out. That's the way the devil came to Eve. Oh, you're missing out. If you belong to Jesus, you're not missing out. Now, I say that sometimes in my sermons, and I just keep going, but I just want to stop this morning and say, do you belong to Jesus? Jesus is not simply fire insurance when I die so I don't have to go to hell. When we come to Jesus, we must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who seek him. And we must believe that when he died on that cross, he was taking the punishment for my sins. But when we come to him, he is not just a savior, he is a king. And come to Jesus means you submit to him. You trust him to be your savior. But if you don't trust him on Monday morning to lead you through life in the best way, and you say, you know, I'm going to go this way, Jesus. Thanks, but no thanks. Don't call yourself a Christian if you're unwilling to follow him and to submit to him. A Christian is one who believes Jesus as Savior and as King, as, as counselor, as guide through life. But, oh, friend. You might be sitting here today saying, well, Drew, I'm such a wretched person. I try to do good, and then I screw it up. You can't be any more wretched than Drew Woods. Trust me. Here's the good news. Jesus takes wretched Drew Woods types. If we'll just come to him and say, Lord Jesus, take, I can't do this. I can't follow you. But if you'll take me, I will. Amen. Amen. 
If you'll take me as I am, don't leave me that way, please. But if you'll take me as I am, I'm yours. He will take you. And he will be your savior. And he will be your king and your guide. And he will be your protector. And he will satisfy you in desert places. And you might be sitting there today and saying, I could use some of that right now. Knock on his door. Keep knocking. Keep asking. Keep seeking. He will satisfy you in desert places. It, it may not come right now. You keep asking him. You keep asking him. He is faithful to his promises. Let's pray together. <clears throat> By the way, just as we close, I will stay up front afterwards for prayer down on this front row with anyone who wants to pray. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for Jesus Christ who loved us when we were unlovely. He didn't wait till we cleaned up our act. He came into our filth and our sin. Like he said to the woman at the well, you, you've said, you're, you're right. You said you don't have a husband. You've had five, and the one that you're living with now is not your husband. Lord, you know us all the way down to the bottom. And yet you love us. And if we will just trust you, turn from our stupidity and our sins and just say, Jesus, save me. I'm yours. You will save us. You will change us. Lord, help us to believe you, I pray. And I pray that every time we hear a, a song or a tweet or something that advocates another pathway to fulfillment outside of Christ, we will turn away from it and we will not feel like we're missing out. I ask this in your precious holy name.